Hey, I'm Taylor living in Santiago, Chile. And why the hell would I ever listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore? The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us. 335th episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore, your very own listener-produced and listener-supported podcast about the good times and news and politics. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore. And sitting across from me, my co-host, Brittany Page. Coffee-free co-host. Yeah. No coffee today. <laughs> I am not by choice. Yes. Not by choice. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, kind of by choice, because it could be, the problem could be fixed. We could roll out and go get some coffee. Yeah, there there is a remedy here, but it's just, <laughs> uh, it's competing with the laziness. Yeah. So The laziness won. Ooh. Problematic. So I'm drinking like vanilla chamomile tea. Mm. It's like sleepy time. Yeah, tea. that's really gonna get it done. <laughs> that's really gonna help. Not good. No. It's gonna send me into a state kind of like the grocery checker the other day. Oh. At the Albertsons. And and what was that like? You remember the guy? I'm. We're checking out. Uh huh. And he's he's checking us out. Mm-hmm. And it's hey 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 guys. And I don't know if the audience know. I don't it's hear quiet well. Quiet mumbling. Yeah, I don't hear well. So if there's any background noise at all, I'm I'm pretty screwed because mm-hmm. I'm not going to be understanding. Especially if you're the quietest human on the planet. Yeah. You have any you have any big plans for the weekend? <laughs> you guys just Labor Labor Day. Well, I think what are you, what are you gonna, I think I think he was new. So he was new, all right. You have to kind of give people that space to. Was it his first time communicating with other humans? No, but you know, are you new at this, buddy? Yeah, <laughs> just talking for the first time. Well, you know, when you you start a new job and it's a little overwhelming, and you're trying to get the hang of everything and multitasking, just okay. just uh, be nice. You want me to put this in a paper or plastic? <laughs> uh. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah. Well, it was it was a nice distraction from the bank robbery that happened at the Albertsons as well. That happened minutes before we were there. You found an actual article about it online, and they got the guy's picture. And well, it's just as soon as he approached the counter, I don't know why they weren't like, "Can you not rob us?" <laughs> the guy looks. Listen, if I'm being honest, he looks like a hybrid of Jesse Dollamore and who's the redheaded guy from like the Bronx, not Tuturo. What? Um. The redheaded guy from the Bronx? The, the actor. The actor. I. Michael Rappaport. Mm. That's who it is. Yeah. I had to stop for a second. Look it up. <laughs> yeah. So if there was a hard edit there, that's because of that. Uh-huh. Well, now that we know that. Um... <laughs> he looks kind of like me and Michael Rappaport. Yes. Yeah, so I, I worked as a bank teller for a little bit and... One thing that was not okay was to come into the bank with a hat and sunglasses on. And in fact, if someone did that, my the bank manager would walk over to them and ask them to please 
take those things off. Well, one, you're inside. So what are you doing? Yeah. I guess the hat isn't a big deal, but the two things together, it looks like a disguise. You look like you're walking into the bank in a disguise. And that was Idaho. A lot of dudes walking around in ball caps. Yeah, but I mean, the cap with the glasses. So this yeah. guy had a hat on with sunglasses. Yeah, he looked like and that. And you're inside an Albertsons. You don't need to have that on when you're inside the Albertsons. Also, you've been inside the Albertsons for quite a while. You can remove the sunglasses. There's a lot of dicks who walk around in Southern California with sunglasses on inside. Well, it's a typical way to, for women, I think, cover their face when they don't have makeup on or when they aren't going to put makeup on for the oh, day. Oh, is that why? I think so. Huh. I, that makes sense, I guess. I don't do that. Because there just, is a lot of women who walk around. I just go right on out there. Let yeah. it all hang out. <laughs> it's good. Mm-hmm. But I do see that all the time with women inside with something. And I always judge them like, come on, take them off. But if it's because they... <laughs> But if it's because they don't have makeup on, I mean, it's more understandable. How about that? But a dude, you don't need to have your sunglasses on inside. Come on. Mm-hmm. It's definitive. I just decided. Uh, I guess so. <laughs> I guess it has been decided. So we don't have any emails or voicemails. No. Uh-uh. People have not been wanting to sound off. So maybe they're just bummed out. Here's what we have to say to that is we miss you. Six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. Please share your thoughts on any of the episodes, any of the stuff we've ever talked about. Wow, going yeah. deep. Four hundred yeah. Four, it's like 400 episodes with the bonus. Yeah. So just do it up. And also, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Should we just, just get into this? We should. All right. Dollamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So the clown car continues to roll down the street. The clown car, of course, is the Trump administration. No shortage of news and fuckery coming out of this White House. Something we didn't get to last time. And it involves the growing tensions between the United States and Russia diplomatically. Tonight, the U.S. retaliating against Russia, ordering the closure of three diplomatic offices in San Francisco, New York, and Washington within 48 hours. Secretary of State Rex Tillerson informing Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov in a phone call today. The decision coming from the president himself. We've taken a firm and measured action in response to Russia's unfortunate decision earlier this year. That decision from Vladimir Putin last month responding to new U.S. sanctions for Moscow's interfering in the election by expelling 755 American diplomats. President Trump at the time expressing gratitude. I want to thank him because we're trying to cut down on payroll. White House aides later dismissing that as a joke. Today's action not kicking out Russian diplomats, but closing two trade mission annexes and the San Francisco Consulate General, the oldest Russian consulate in the U.S. And a prominent Russian lawmaker tonight insisting the U.S. is declaring the hot phase of diplomatic war. The Trump administration had to respond. This was the right decision, regrettable, but necessary. 
Also tonight, NBC News has learned former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort's notes typed on a phone from that controversial Trump Tower meeting with Russians during the 2016 campaign included a reference to political donations and RNC, according to sources briefed on the evidence. Investigators are now reviewing those notes, trying to determine if there was any talk of foreign donations to the Trump campaign or the Republican Party, contributions that would be illegal. Manafort's spokesman telling NBC News the suggestion is 100% false. Peter Alexander, NBC <laughs> News, the White House. So a day after the Trump administration ordered this closure, smoke was coming from the chimney at the Russian consulate in San Francisco. Billowing out. Black smoke. <laughs> uh, so that's a little suspicious. But it was it's weird because it was a spare the air day where it was over 100 degrees in San Francisco and they have these spare the air days where you you can't burn anything that's going to produce hazardous dark smoke. Yeah. Which is exactly what was coming out of the building. So it's even more of a spectacle. Yes, because you're not supposed to be doing that. Yeah. So it was noticed, it was reported, people went to the consulate they the fire w- department. Yeah. And responding like, oh shit, maybe something's on fire. They were not let in. That's right. Go away. Everything's fine. The people working at the consulate did not allow them to come in and would not tell them what was burning. And so as far as I know, an investigation was opened uh, because they're probably going to get fined for burning something that caused the hazardous black smoke to enter the air on the spare the air day. Come on, guys. Spare the air. Spare the air. And uh, Square. They, they're speculating that they were burning documents in the fireplace. Well, they were burning something. We know that. What else were they burning? I don't like this chair anymore. I'm going to burn the shit out of this chair. Of course, they were burning documents. Well, and remember, it's, it was hot that day. So it's not as though, oh, let's fire up that chimney. Yeah. And uh, heat things up in here. Because <laughs> it's been unseasonably hot yeah in california all across the state even san francisco which is five six seven hours away right it is it's been 100 degrees yeah you're not you're not sparking up the fucking old fireplace to to, to get warm, toasty yeah, yeah. Ooh, <laughs> hmm, like a bunch of homeless guys standing around a burning barrel yeah so that happened mm-hmm. the other part of that little clip is this new news that this new news that Robert Mueller has gotten a hold of the notes from that meeting. And there were some problematic things written down by Paul Manafort related to donations rolling through the RNC to the Trump campaign, possibly from Russia. Now, this is a big deal, and this involves both soft money and hard money in politics. When you, when you donate directly to a candidate... You can only donate so much money. That's called hard money because it's traceable. But these 501c3s, no, they're not 501c3s. These um, PACs, these political action committees, 501c3 is just not nonprofit. These, these political action committees, like the Great America PAC, they can receive donations that are a lot more difficult to trace than personal donations to directly to a campaign. Difference between hard money and soft money. So 
if they were working on some kind of a system where Russian nationals or the Russian government was going to circuitously get money through the RNC to Donald Trump, that is a big, big deal. And it is good that Mueller has an experienced, extensive team of financial crimes investigators who are going to get to the goddamn bottom of that. Not only that, he's also teamed up with the IRS now. Yes. So yeah. that's that's a new development as well, where he's enlisting the help of agents from the IRS's criminal investigations unit that typically handles anything financial related, obviously financial crimes associated with tax evasion and money laundering. And we all know that Donald Trump hasn't released his tax returns. One year was leaked that we believe was Donald Trump, and that was 2005. And it just happened to be the one year that there were good things to report. Weird. (laughs) The other bit of news related to Bob Mueller, the special uh, prosecutor, is that he has an early draft of the letter Donald Trump sent to James Comey when he fired him. And apparently the early draft was a little little problematic and it ended up being changed to what we now know was the letter. So Robert Mueller has new details about the real reason President Trump fired FBI Director James Comey. The New York Times reports the Justice Department handed over a letter President Trump and top political aide Stephen Miller drafted to Comey but never sent, in which the president explains his rationale for the firing. The details of that letter have not been disclosed. The Washington Post reports it was a multi-page letter that detailed Trump's frustration with Comey's unwillingness to publicly state that the president was not personally under investigation as part of the Russia probe. The Times says White House counsel Don McGahn opposed sending the letter and ultimately a different one, written by Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, was sent. The Rosenstein memo faulted the former FBI chief for his handling of the Clinton email investigation. The White House wouldn't confirm the existence of President Trump's letter, but says his lawyers are working with Mueller. To the extent the special prosecutor is interested in these matters, we will be fully transparent with his investigation. And frankly, I don't have anything to add beyond that. The letter disclosing President Trump's true intentions comes as the president's lawyers are making the case to Mueller in media and memos that the president did not obstruct justice when he fired FBI Director Comey in May. A source familiar with the memos says the legal team lays out the president's constitutional right to fire for any reason Mr. Comey, and argues that Comey's questionable credibility prompted the firing. But it was the president himself who admitted to NBC that he fired Comey in part because of the Russia investigation. In fact, when I decided to just do it, I said to myself, I said, you know, This Russia thing with Trump and Russia is a made-up story. Mueller's team is also coordinating with New York Attorney General Eric Schneiderman. Schneiderman launched an investigation into Trump campaign chair Paul Manafort this summer, delving into Manafort's financial transactions. Since the president cannot pardon state crimes, any threat of prosecution from Schneiderman could prompt Manafort to cooperate in Mueller's broader Russia investigation. Meanwhile, California Congressman Dana Rohrabacher is insisting Julian Assange and 
WikiLeaks were not behind the leak of hacked Democratic National Committee emails last year. I think what we have here, it's really important for the truth to be known. Rohrabacher met with Assange in August at the Ecuadorian embassy in London, where Assange was granted asylum. Sources say the Senate Intelligence Committee is now considering calling on Rohrabacher to talk about the meeting, while Rohrabacher is promising to brief the president on the details Assange disclosed. And I understand that a meeting with myself and the president is being arranged. So at that point, okay. the, the American, but the purpose is to alert the American people to the truth. And the Russian-American lobbyist who was inside that June 2016 meeting at Trump Tower, which included Donald Trump Jr., Jared Kushner, Paul Manafort, and a Russian lawyer, among others, is telling his story. The Financial Times reports Renat Akhmetchin testified before grand jury special counsel Robert Mueller is using yeah. on August 11th. Don Jr. took the meeting when he was promised damaging information on Hillary Clinton. Donald Trump Jr. has agreed to sit down with the Senate Judiciary Committee for a transcribed interview behind closed doors as investigators dig into that June 2016 meeting. Senators have told CNN they expect him to appear as soon as this month. It's still unclear, though, if Don Jr. will eventually testify publicly, but committee leaders do say an open session is still on the table. Jessica Schneider, CNN, Washington. So the front part of that package is important because it contradicts the previous rationale given by the Trump administration for why he decided to fire James Comey. Yeah. If you remember, he blamed everything on Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. That's right. His letter was the rationale for firing James Comey. And yes, Donald Trump gave interviews to Lester Holt, who when he interviewed with Lester Holt, he said, oh, I was going to fire him anyway. Right. And that was the yeah. bombshell. And now we learn that he actually wrote this very angry, meandering letter with Stephen Miller. That's the other thing. It's with Stephen Miller, who is kind of a vindictive dickface. Yeah, and he was blocked from sending this letter. However, a copy was given to Rod Rosenstein. Yeah. And that's what he used to draft his own letter. Mm -hmm. So it really did come directly from... Donald Trump. And then something else that is new related to this is Mike Pence was kind of in and out of the room at this point. That's right. When he, they were reading the draft and, and kind of formulating the, uh, the letter here. He's up to his neck in this. So it wasn't as though he wasn't aware of what was going on. He was aware of what was going on. He was involved. He was in the room. Yeah. And he can try to put some distance there, but... Which is kind of what he's been doing yes. up to this point of, oh, I, I the Mike Flynn thing, I don't know. I, I He lied to me. I didn't know anything. And then up to this point, every time he's come out to defend Donald Trump and justify his actions, he acts as though, I just have full faith in the president but I've always been out of the room. I don't really have anything to do with anything. Right. And so the fact that someone came forward and said, you cannot use this memo, do yeah. not do this. White House counsel. Means that they knew that his own rationale was not going to stand up to the scrutiny and that they needed to build a better defense for this decision. And so that's what they attempted to do. But either way, he wanted to make it happen and he was going to make it right. happen. And keep in mind this. As bad as the ultimate letter that got released was, remember how bad it was. Think about how bad this fucking thing must have been to get rejected. Because if the version we got got approved, <laughs> I mean, it makes you shudder. 
Right. So, but that letter has now been turned over. Yeah. We don't know the exact details. It's just been kind of talked about to reporters who have reported on what they were told. Right. The other thing is that Mueller is now working in concert with Schneiderman, the New York State Attorney General. Remember, since we just went th- through this with Joe Arpaio, the president does not have the power, does not have the power to pardon state crimes, only federal crimes. State crimes are up to a governor, a state governor to pardon. Laws are different in each state. So what they're talking about there is him applying pressure to Paul Manafort at a state level. You will be prosecuted, but maybe if you cooperate with Mueller, you can avoid state prosecution or you'll get less shit coming your way. So that's important as well. And then the other thing, which really bothers me because it affects, I mean, all of this affects us all. But this next part affects Brittany and I, especially because Dana Rohrabacher is our goddamn congressman who is going over to London to meet with Julian Assange, who has been granted asylum by the Ecuadorian embassy because he is escaping, he is fleeing from rape charges in Switzerland. He's an accused rapist, among other things. So Dana Rohrabacher meets with him. Julian Assange says, oh no, Russia didn't have anything to do with it. Dana Rohrabacher takes him at his word and comes back and he's going to go report to the president. Then the other name that you might not recognize is Renette Akmekshin. I think is how you say his name. He was the one who was at the meeting with Donald Trump Jr., Jared Kushner, Paul Manafort, Natalia Veselnitskaya, and the translator. I think there was one other person. This Renette Akmeshin was not only a participant in that meeting, he also was the one that we've talked about when Harley Ruda was here, the man who's running against Dana Rohrbacher, He was the one who tried to turn Dana Rohrabacher. He's the one that the FBI warned Dana Rohrabacher that this guy is a a trained Russian spy and he tries to flip American assets to be useful to the Russian government. He's the one. So this is very thick. And it also really goes to show what, what Dana Warbacher, where his loyalties lie relative to his own goddamn country. He's taking up for the Russian puppet, Julian Assange, and also the big Russian puppet, Donald Trump. It's a problem. So we're going to keep following this. Obviously, it is the drip, drip, drip that just never stops It is accumulating massive amounts of evidence. This is only what we know, what we report on. I can't even imagine the levels and layers that Bob Mueller is privy to. It's amazing. The other thing kind of related to this, tangentially related, is the fact that, well, remember when Donald Trump accused in a series of unhinged tweets, accused former President Obama 
of actively approving wiretaps of Donald Trump during the campaign? Well, Donald Trump's own Justice Department has confirmed that that was bullshit. Welcome back. We have some major news out of Washington to share with you. The Justice Department has revealed it found zero evidence that former President Barack Obama ever wiretapped Trump Tower, as President Trump once claimed. In a filing released last night, the DOJ writes both FBI and NSD confirm that they have no records related to wiretaps as described by the March 4, 2017 tweets. Those tweets back in March included these accusations. Terrible. Just found out that Obama had my wires tapped in Trump Tower just before the victory. Nothing found. This is McCarthyism. And how low has President Obama gone to tap my phones during the very sacred election process? This is Nixon slash Watergate. Bad or sick guy. Now, the White House has never said what President Trump was basing these unfounded claims on, only that the president was confident an investigation would vindicate him. So in an email, White House spokesman Sarah Huckabee Sanders wrote, this isn't news. We have already addressed it. Douche chill. Yeah, you haven't. You haven't addressed it. I I want Donald Trump to go to a camera. Saying the president's tweets speak for themselves doesn't address the fucking issue. Stand in front of the camera. Have Jim Acosta ask him why he tweeted that and how he reconciles his tweets with the news here and I want a straight answer and I want that from Donald Trump I want that from Sarah Huckabee Sanders I want that from everyone because why is he tweeting these things and they shouldn't be lashing out at the media for reporting it they should be lashing out at Donald Trump for tweeting these things and causing problems for himself and everyone in the White House also I wonder what kind of resources were laid on this how much money was spent by the federal government investigating something that we knew to be true, uh, untrue in the first place. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mr. Law and Order, Mr. Saving the Money, running this like a business. Sure does seem to be wasting a lot of goddamn money that doesn't need to be wasted on 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 wild goose chases. Well, what an accusation. Yeah. <laughs> and James Comey said that that they were never tapped. That never happened. He, he had already said that. Yeah. But this is... Official. So did the, the 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 NSA director. So did the director of national intelligence. The CIA director. They've all said it. Now, Donald Trump's Justice Department says it. It is official. There are no more loose ends. It was a lie. Donald Trump is a liar. The president of the United States is using Twitter like a teenage girl causing problems in her group of friends. The problem is Donald Trump's group of friends is the country, the United States. Yeah. It's affecting all of us. So in addition to all of these things that we've talked about, the Donald Trump Jr., Michael Cohen, other high-level aides, they're going to be testifying before a congressional committee. Mm -hmm. And so this is starting to pick up. Starting to, yeah. That's what it feels like. And th- things are going to start coming out. So it's time to watch what happens. <laughs> now on to more pressing and scary, unnerving news relative to South Korea, which is continuing its quest for nuclear weapons that are able to be fit on an intercontinental ballistic missile and heaved toward a United States city. 
Major headline tonight, Kim Jong-un with his most powerful nuclear test yet in North Korea. U.S. intelligence officials now say they are confident in North Korea's claim that they detonated a hydrogen bomb more devastating than the atomic bombs dropped during World War II. The concern now that it could be one day mounted onto an intercontinental ballistic missile. Tonight, the U.S. ambassador to the U.N. now saying North Korea is, quote, begging for war. ABC's chief foreign correspondent Terry Moran is in Seoul, South Korea tonight. Today in South Korea, a show of force. F-15 fighter jets practicing bomb drops. Missiles launched, live fire maneuvers simulating an attack. This country's swift and angry response to North Korea's startling nuclear test. Its sixth and most alarming blast yet. North Korean state TV celebrated the, quote, perfect success. And there were cheers on the streets of Pyongyang. The explosion was so powerful, it triggered a major earthquake, magnitude 6.3, with tremors felt across the region. And tonight, a U.S. intelligence official tells ABC News that the North Korean claimed that it tested a hydrogen bomb, vastly more powerful than the atomic weapons dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, appears to be accurate. And the South Korean government today says it's detected signs that North Korea is preparing for another ballistic missile launch, this one aimed at the Pacific. The U.N. Security Council meeting in an emergency session this morning. U.S. Ambassador Nikki Haley calling for the strongest possible sanctions and issuing this stunning warning to the North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un. His abusive use of missiles and his nuclear threats show that he is begging for war. President Trump, just hours after the nuclear test, kept open the option of a military strike. Mr. President, will you attack North Korea? But Kim Jong-un's going all out now to develop his weapons. Since February, a series of 13 missile launches, including some capable of striking the U.S. homeland, triggering this threat from the president in August. They will be met with fire, fury, and frankly, power, the likes of which (laughs) this world has never seen before. Uh. The president also taking to Twitter, declaring he's considering launching an economic attack, stopping all trade with any country doing business with North Korea. And Terry Moran joins us from Seoul now. And Terry, we heard you report President Trump has threatened to stop all trade with countries who trade with North Korea. That would obviously include China. And they're responding tonight? They are, David. The Chinese foreign ministry firing back, calling that threat unacceptable and unfair. And analysts are pointing to the more than half a trillion dollars worth of trade per year between China and the U.S., calling it a hollow threat. But President Trump is pointing to the fact that China's trade with North Korea is increasing. David? Terry, thank you. And you heard Terry point out there the South Korean government says it has already detected signs that North Korea is now preparing for another ballistic missile launch aimed at the Pacific. I want to bring in retired Colonel Stephen Ganyard tonight. Steve, obviously the U.S. believes their hope is to connect a miniaturized bomb to one of those missiles one day. First, let's talk about the strength of the bomb just tested by North Korea. How strong is it? David, they've stepped up from a basic atomic weapon to a complex thermonuclear device. Intelligence analysts believe that it's between five and eight times stronger than the bomb that the U.S. dropped on Hiroshima at the end of World War II. And Steve, you've told us before how far one of those intercontinental ballistic missiles could feasibly go, the most recent going higher and further than ever before. What most concerns you now about the test of this nuclear bomb? David, it's the consistent progress they've made in both their missile program and their nuclear weapons. Theoretically, he now has the ability to hit most of the United States with a thermonuclear weapon. But more concerning is how, no matter what the U.S. seems to do, he doesn't slow down. In short, Kim is winning and the rest of the world is losing. All right, Colonel Gandard with us again tonight on North Korea. Steve, thank you. And that's... 
primarily the issue here is the progress that he's making. Yes. Uh, I, uh, most, rapid, rapid progress. Most people who follow this underestimated how quickly he would get here. They thought maybe five years from now mm-hmm. was a more realistic expectation. Yeah. And he has... Right. Defied that expectation. And so the problem isn't just the nuclear weapons. It's the nuclear weapons combined with the missile. Because right. then you put the nuclear weapon on the missile and Fa- the missile can reach the United States. And now we have a problem. Far advanced rocketry. And there is a Russia component to this because it looks like U.S. intelligence officials believe that the rocketry, the advanced rocketry that they're using is coming out of a, a factory a, a manufacturing facility in the Ukraine. Now, you'll remember, Ukraine used to be a part of the Soviet Union. That is where the Soviet Union manufactured its rockets. When the Soviet Union broke up, it became Russia. Ukraine became its own country, along with Crimea. And right now, Russia has annexed Crimea altogether, the peninsula there, and it has a military presence in an attempt to take back Ukraine as well. So Russia, I almost said the, the USSR, Russia, I believe has a, a, a role to play here in arming North Korea and advancing their rocket program to the point now that they're able to launch intercontinental ballistic missiles into the sky 1,700 miles, 1,400 miles higher than the International Space Station. Now, we don't know yet about their re-entry capability, whether it will be able to withstand the heat and the other damaging aspects of coming back into the atmosphere once being that high in outer space, being able to come back into the atmosphere and then lock on with a targeting technology and hit a target. Because it might be just like, you know, putting a catapult, putting a a 55-gallon drum in a catapult and launching it Mm -hmm. effectively. I mean, probably more advanced than that, but we don't know. And the uncertainty is a problem. And I've asserted here that it's not as big a problem for us because we have the technology to take care of that kind of a threat. But I don't know that anything could be done if he chose to target Seoul, South Korea, or Tokyo. That is the question that's left hanging out there that involves tens of millions of people. And that's a problem. They are allies. And up to this point, in a non-Donald Trump administration, we take care of our allies. We are loyal to our allies. We stand in the gap for our allies. And I don't know that they can count on the United States under this current administration. I think it's interesting that every time he's asked about his plans as it relates to North Korea, he always says... Oh, I'm no, we don't do that. We're not like other administrations. We're not going to tell you what our moves are. 
But then he's on Twitter tweeting yeah. about what he's going to do with South Korea and what he's doing with Japan, how he's al- allowing them to buy highly sophisticated military equipment from the United States. Yeah. Aren't you giving away information? Also, the whole fire and fury thing is giving away information. Ended up being an empty threat, which damages our position globally. It's detrimental internationally when a president doesn't come through on what he promises. And Donald Trump didn't. First of all, he made a stupid promise. We we should all be happy that he didn't follow through. But nonetheless, when you say you're going to do something and you don't, it just lets everybody know you're a liar. And it also lets them think, oh, well, what else can I get away with? If I got away with that, what else? Since Donald Trump is impotent relative to military, the use of the military, hmm, makes me wonder what else I can do. It's a problem. The other problem is this morning, just this morning, DACA, which was a program implemented by the Obama administration to allow children brought here by their parents, undocumented children. Deferred action for childhood arrivals. That's right. Allowing them to stay with some benefits, uh, paying into the social security system, going to college. No fear of, of deportation because they had no part. They played no role in being brought here. They're innocent in that. Well, Donald Trump has decided to roll that back. I think he's delayed it six months, but they will face deportation if Donald Trump gets his way. There's only one caveat, and that's if Paul Ryan decides to do something like a grown-up, like an adult, like a responsible person with empathy and compassion and love of our country, because economically this would be a hit too. But Donald Trump, so proud of doing this, he took to the podium himself and announced it. I'm here today to announce that. Oh, wait. No. No, he didn't. He is a fucking coward who knows this goes against the grain of over 70% of the nation what they want relative to DACA. He sent Jeff Sessions, the racist attorney general, Jeff Sessions, who is pressed for a whites-only immigration system, or at least the curtailing of non-white immigration for years and years and years. And the person in the White House right now who is crafting this policy is a former Jeff Sessions employee, Stephen Miller. Here's Jeff Sessions announcing the end to DACA. I'm here today to announce that the program known as DACA that was effectuated under the Obama administration is being rescinded. The DACA program was implemented in 2012 and essentially provided a legal status for recipients for a renewable two-year term, worker authorization, and other benefits, including participation in the Social Security program, Uh, to 800,000 mostly adult illegal aliens. The policy was implemented unilaterally to great controversy and legal concern after Congress rejected legislative proposals to extend similar benefits 
to, on numerous occasions to this same group of illegal aliens. In other words, the executive branch, through DACA, deliberately sought to achieve what the legislative branch specifically refused to authorize on multiple occasions. Such an open-ended circumvention of immigration laws was an unconstitutional exercise of authority by the executive branch. The effect of this unilateral executive amnesty, among other things, contributed to a surge of minors at the southern border that yielded terrible humanitarian consequences. It also denied jobs to hundreds of thousands of Americans by allowing those same illegal aliens to take those jobs. We inherited from our founders and have advanced an unsurpassed legal heritage, which is the foundation of our freedom, our safety, and our prosperity. As Attorney General, it is my duty to ensure that the laws of the United States are enforced and that the constitutional order is upheld. No greater good for the overall health and well-being of our republic than preserving and strengthening the impartial rule of law. Societies where the rule of law is treasured are societies that tend to flourish and succeed. Societies where the rule of law is subject to political whims and personal biases tend to become societies afflicted by corruption, poverty, and human suffering. It is quite comical to <laughs> listen to Jeff Sessions talk about biases and especially also, with donald trump having just yes. pardoned joe arpaio he's 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 just describing at the end there uh societies with no compassion and he's describing the donald trump administration Ugh. so nearly seven hundred and ninety thousand young unauthorized immigrants have received work permits and deportation relief through this program so let's talk about what the program is the group that are typically called dreamers, they came to the United States before the age of 16. That's right. And by the way, the, the, the Dreamer Act, the Dream Act, was a bipartisan passed bill. It wasn't like a party line vote. Republican congressmen from Idaho voted for this. Conservative people voted for the Dream Act. So individuals who were brought here before they were 16 with their parents, um, or alone, I guess, um, have a chance to stay in the United States to study or work, but they have to meet certain conditions. So if you're hearing Jeff Sessions talk about it as though everyone gets it, there's there's no rhyme yeah. or reason, there's, there's nothing that can constrain the number of people that are in this program. No, you have to meet certain conditions, like being enrolled in high school or having a high school degree or GED equivalent and not having a serious criminal conviction. That's always a talking point. Right. It's not everybody. Yeah. But this is always a talking point, right? The, the they're criminals, yeah. right? Donald Trump, they're criminals, they're rapists. Well, if somebody's doing the raping dog, right? If you're looking at this program, well, they're giving this to people who do not have serious criminal convictions. So those who are appro approved for the program are given a work permit and protection from deportation for two years, and then they can renew for these benefits. Once they've showed progress. Look at what I'm doing. I'm bettering my life. I'm bettering the country in which I live. Uh, blah, blah, blah. And he is ending that. That is no longer a thing. No more applications will be accepted. Which is weird because Donald Trump just 
a matter of very few years ago, had this to say on Fox News, Fox and Friends. And uh, don't just listen to Donald Trump. Listen to the hosts of Fox and Friends and what their opinions of DACA was. Yeah, you're going to hear Brian Kilmeade and Steve Ducey and then Gretchen Carlson is there, but I don't think she talks. And when they're talking about a Michelle, that's not Michelle Obama that they're talking about. They're mentioning Michelle Bachman. You ask Michelle to actually physically go across the street and tell the family right. of 25 years to get out of this country, she wouldn't do it because she's a good person. But here's the problem with Mitt Romney in this situation. He came out and say it's a magnet and he disagrees. But in 2007, he was calling for the same exact thing. Newt Gingrich fired back and said, here's your clip from Meet the Press from two years, three years ago. Does that bother you? Well, actually, he didn't strongly disagree. And in fact, a lot of people are really curious as to when he'll say something because you know, from I just saw something on television where they were saying that he really hasn't taken a stance or a very strong stance yet, and he hasn't said anything about what Newt said. So let's see what he says. But look, this is a matter of compa- this isn't conservative. I'm the world's most conservative person. This isn't conservative. This is this is compassion. Is it amnesty? Um, I guess to a certain extent, for a very limited number of people, it would be considered amnesty. But how do you tell a family that's been here for 25 years to get out? That's tough. Or if their kids are born here, they stay, the parents leave, and that's what right. Newt Gingrich's contention right. is. How can you be the party that is pro-family and dividing the family? Do you hear that? It's sickening. Because that was Brian Kilmeade. How do you talk yourself out of that position? How do you... Oh, well, no. Uh, nope. Nation of laws. No. He said everything that needed to be said. How do you throw out a family that's been here for 25 years? And this is all they know. Their children, this is all they know. Let's say they came here from, from Nicaragua. Let's say they fled Venezuela and they came here. Or Mexico. And the children brought here when they're two three years old, where are you going to send them back to? They don't know anything about Mexico. They don't, they don't share that culture. They may have distant relatives there. These are American kids. Here's another clip of Donald Trump saying the same kind of shit. As an example, you have people in this country for 20 years. They've done a great job. They've done wonderfully. They've gone to school. They've gotten good marks. They're productive. Now we're supposed to send them out of the country? I don't believe in that, Michelle, and you understand that. I don't believe in a lot of things that are being said. This is disgusting hypocrisy. And what is driving this, you may ask, is Donald Trump's fealty his loyalty to his white supremacist base. This insane flip-flop is no different than him saying there were many good people on the side of the Nazis in Charlottesville. It's pandering to the racists who follow him. There's been too much damage done by firing Gorka He needs to earn back a little racist cred. And this does that. This further aligns him with his racist attorney general, 
with Stephen Miller. This is sad. I want to read part of Barack Obama's statement that he wrote on Facebook because it echoes a lot of the things that you were saying. Um, And it will (laughs) make you miss him. Immigration can be a controversial topic. We all want safe, secure borders in a dynamic economy, and people of goodwill can have legitimate disagreement about how to fix our immigration system so that everybody plays by the rules. But that's not what the action that the White House took today is about. This is about young people who grew up in America, kids who study in our schools, young adults who are starting careers, patriots who pledge allegiance to our flag. These dreamers are Americans in their hearts, in their minds, in every single way but one, on paper. They were brought to this country by their parents, sometimes even as infants. They may not know a country besides ours. They may not even know a language besides English. They often have no idea they're undocumented until they apply for a job or college or or a driver's license. Over the years, politicians of both parties have worked together to write legislation that would have told these young people, our young people, that if your parents brought you here as a child, if you've been here a certain number of years, and if you're willing to go to college or serve in our military, then you'll get a chance to stay and earn your citizenship. And for years, while I was president, I asked Congress to send me such a bill. That bill never came. And because it made no sense to expel talented, driven, patriotic young people from the only country they know solely because of the actions of their parents, my administration acted to lift the shadow of deportation from these young people so they could continue to contribute to our communities and our country. We did so based on the well-established legal principle of prosecutorial discretion deployed by Democratic and Republican presidents alike, because our immigration enforcement agencies have limited resources, and it makes sense to focus those resources on those who come illegally to this country to do us harm. Deportations of criminals went up. Some 800,000 young people stepped forward, met rigorous requirements, and went through background checks, and America grew stronger as a result. Then he goes on to talk about what is happening today. Yeah. Um, It is kind of stepping out of the norm to criticize or to make a comment directly opposed to a current administration, but things are not normal. If Jeb Bush had won the presidency, Obama would have faded away, done his speeches, created a foundation, and done the same thing that George W. Bush has done, that Bill Clinton has done, and stayed out of the, the political fray and allowed his predecessor or his successor to do his job or her job, if it had been. But this is not the times we live in. Donald Trump is not a normal type of president that needs to be dealt with with respect and reverence and professional courtesy, if you will. We're going to keep following this. Um, we need to put pressure on Paul Ryan to make this official through legislation. This is an overwhelmingly popular program to protect these dreamers from deportation. The last serious story we're going to do involves the Department of Education and Betsy DeVos, who has appointed a man in charge of investigating fraud, (laughs) a man who ran DeVry University 
who was sued and settled for $100 million for defrauding students. The White House tapped a former DeVry University official to head the U.S. Department of Education's Enforcement Unit, according to Politico. Julian Schmoke Jr. was a dean at DeVry, a for-profit college network, and more recently was executive director of campus relations for West Georgia Technical College. You've likely heard of DeVry. The for-profit university got in big trouble with the Federal Trade Commission after it was accused of misleading students about job security and salary expectations after graduation. It ended up settling and paid $100 million. Now, Schmoke will be in charge of uncovering and investigating those types of potentially illegal actions. The Department of Education created its Student Aid Enforcement Unit last year to respond to complaints with the focus on the for-profit sector. Politico notes some Senate Democrats might want someone besides Schmoke to head the enforcement unit. Several Democrats had previously written Education Secretary Betsy DeVos urging her to pick someone with, quote, relevant experience in consumer protection or litigation. And that did not happen. She chose someone who trafficked in defrauding students. She hired the Fox to investigate the disappearance of chickens. That is what she's done. It is an appalling slap in the face to every single American who cares about education. This is disgusting. Well, she's just paying forward the benefit that she received being someone that shouldn't be in her role and then putting someone in a role that shouldn't be in the role. Yeah, well, it's furthering, tearing down the efficacy of the U.S. Department of Education. It's ridiculous. One more thing I forgot, and that is Donald Trump's pledge of $1 million to Harvey Relief. Hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. He has not given us a check. We don't know that he's done it. We're probably not going to find out that he did it. But he pledged it, quote unquote, Brittany. Yeah. And there were accusations from Eric Trump that the media was not covering it. After the media. Covering the pledge. After the media had already covered the pledge. That's right. So everyone's been covering the pledge. But now what's happening is (laughs) the pledge isn't good enough. We actually want to see. Yeah, we want to. You can't just say it. We want to see proof that you did that you did it. Is it coming from him personally? That's right. Is it coming from his charitable organization? Which other people could donate to, and then he'll give that money. Yeah, I mean, we know what happened when he wanted to make donations to the veterans organization. When he when he when he was afraid and skipped out of that debate. Yeah. That, that He didn't make those contributions until four months later when the media started asking questions about where that money went. Yeah, and now the media is already asking questions about where that money went. So maybe he will fork over the cash sooner than uh, expected? I yeah. don't know. Uh, well, listen, it's not going to be good enough when you make a personal pledge from your billions, quote unquote, your billions of dollars to give $1 million and then give it from uh, a charity that you run that other people give money to. Which, by the way, is operating out of New York State, and I don't believe it has a license to do so. Then the other thing we'll wrap with this, everybody, is when Donald Trump was in Houston the other day, and he said this. My hands are too big. 
My hands are too big. <laughs> he's he's in a line for a photo op, putting on the the plastic kitchen glass uh, gloves that you wear when you serve food, and he he does. I didn't notice the looking around. Brittany noticed it. I think it's awesome, but he looks around like, is anybody looking? I got. I want to say this. I want them to hear me say this. Well, he actually makes eye contact with the camera, probably several cameras. Yeah. Because he is looking for somewhere to say this, some some camera to say this into. But what happens is he he still tries to say it casually as though it was just something he was saying and wasn't yeah. planning on saying. My hands are too big. <laughs> it is so good. It is so it's 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 good, but it is just so <laughs> embarrassing. It's who he is. It's also like ninety five degrees, and he's the only motherfucker wearing a coat. Yeah, in well, the whole room. So <laughs> Donald Trump would be one of those guys who goes to the gas station counter and asks loudly if they have a size bigger than Magnum. <laughs> the condoms right uh, that is exactly it you have like magnum times two Yo, or... i bought magnums the other day and wow they're really tight on my dick do you have anything <laughs> bigger than magnums really um, loudly he says yeah it's it's sad that someone who's 71 is still obsessed with uh, making sure everyone's aware how big his hands are we put this clip on the facebook page if you haven't seen it go see it because you can see the wheels turning in his stupid head that this is something I need to say. <laughs> I need to get this out there. My hands are too big. Douche chill. Fucking douche chill. All right. That is it. We love you guys. Listen, we have a new patron. I haven't played the drop because we're these. it's kind of an, an unconventional show. But before we name the patron... If you are on the fence about supporting the show, about helping produce the show, go to dollamore.com. If you've made your decision and you want to do it, go to dollamore.com slash Patreon or dollamore.com slash PayPal. We would love to have you on board with the family. We are slowly tick, tick, ticking away toward our goal to do three episodes per week, and we would love to have you help us. Who is our new patron, Brittany. Waylon. Waylon! Yep. Thank you. You are awesome. So, we're going to go. We love you guys. We appreciate you. And until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. My hands are too big. <laughs>